Tonight we're going to deal in the last section of this in chapter 6 on the warfare of the believer. And this is important. You know, so often, I mean, I've preached for many, many years and see people get saved. They even get filled with the Holy Ghost. And they're not quite ready to beat the devil head on. (laughs) Because they don't have understanding Number one of their position in the Lord. You know, you, you, how many knows you? That's why we need teaching of the Word. We need to understand who we are, what we have, where we are, and what Jesus has done for us. And once we get that understanding in our heart, there's nobody that can shake our faith. Nobody can talk me out of my salvation. Nobody can talk me out of my experience in the Holy Ghost. Nobody can talk me out of receiving a miracle because I know what the Word says. See, I rest in the fact that Jesus did all the work 2,000 years ago. He redeemed us, purchased us, bought us. We're His property. We're His possession now. We've been delivered. The Bible said in Colossians, where Paul's writing again to the church at Colossae, he said, we have been delivered from the power of darkness and translated or transferred into the kingdom of His dear Son. Jesus is Lord. Praise God. And how many knows that God's not going to let the devil operate in His kingdom? Hallelujah. So we're in the kingdom of God. It's a spiritual kingdom. And this is what Paul's trying to get the church at Ephesus to see, is who they are in Christ and what they have, and realize our position in Him, and realize what Jesus has already done. Not going to do it. You know, nothing else is going to be done concerning our salvation. We have been redeemed. We've been redeemed. Everybody say, I'm redeemed. Hallelujah. We're redeemed. Praise the Lord. That, I mean, that, that's a powerful word, redeemed. That means the devil can't have you back. Amen? The only way the devil can have you back is if you decide you're going to turn around and just allow the devil to have you back. Well, I'm not going to let the devil have me back. He's done enough work in our lives in the past, and so we're going to leave the past behind. But as we look at the key words in Ephesians... Over in Ephesians, the second chapter and the sixth verse, the key word is sit. In the first chapter, it talks about where Jesus is. He's seated far above all principality and power and might, high above it all. He's seated far above all of that. And in all the, in all the powers, any evil powers, any demonic powers, any devil powers, whatever, he's seated far above all principality and power and might. Paul prayed that we might have that revelation. We need, this is the prayer that Paul prayed, that you might see and that you might know. See, we got to see it first, then we got to know it. How many's ever uh, looked at a puzzle and you're trying to figure out what piece and where it goes? And some people sit there all night long because <laughs> they can't seem to figure it out what puzzle, where that puzzle goes. But you know what? All of a sudden, you can see it in their eyes. Their eyes glisten. They light up. They see it. And they put that piece in there, and it fills that slot. Hallelujah. But, you know, this is what Paul's praying for us, that we would see, that we might know what is the hope of his calling, what the power of the resurrection of the Lord is, what his power is. Now, sometimes we talk more about the devil than we do Jesus. Amen? 
I, I tell you, so I, I've had people tell me, Brother Clarence, the devil's been doing this. Now, you know, we had testimony services years ago, you know, and there's one little lady get up every time she'd get up, she'd say, Oh, the devil's been after me all day long, bless his holy name. <laughs> well, you, but in a sense, that's funny and humorous, but in a sense, that's what we do too. We talk about Jesus, and then we start talking about the power of the devil, what the devil's doing, and how, how he's doing this in our life, how he's doing it, and we forget that Jesus won the victory. We forget. But Paul said, I'm praying that you might understand and know. And then Ephesians 2, 6 says, he's made us, us. Everybody say us. See, that means you and me, every believer in the Christ Jesus. We, he's made us sit. He didn't say get out here and work. He said sit. Amen? Before you can do anything, you've got to learn how to rest. It's backwards. Some people say, well, i got to work hard so I can rest. No, you've got to rest first in the kingdom of God. You, you, you rest in what Jesus has done, and then you're able to do and walk like he says. Because he said he's caused us to sit in heavenly places far above all principality and power and might. That's where Jesus says we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He's made us. He's caused us to sit there. So we're in a position tonight to be victorious. Then the second key word is walk in Ephesians 4.1. Let us walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we've been called. See, we can't really walk the Christian walk until we learn to rest in the finished work of Calvary. You can't love everybody until you learn how to, what Jesus did. Amen? We try to love everybody. We try to forgive everybody. But you can't really do it because you're trying to do it in the flesh rather than in the, in the resting position of being in Christ. That's where he's at. That's where we are. So therefore, his life is in us. And we can also begin to do what God's called us to do. But he said, walk worthy of the vocation. And then in this third segment that we're dealing with tonight is the warfare of the believer. It's our attitude to the enemy. He said, when having done all, to stand. To stand. How many knows that's what God wants to do? Just stand. Sometimes we got to stand against the wiles of the devil. Stand against the wiles of the powers of the enemy. Stand. And just take our stand. Hallelujah. And, and make that stand to where you say, Lord, I'm going to do what you said I could do. But now, let's look in Ephesians Um, in Ephesians 6, 6th chapter, this is what we're going to deal with tonight in sitting in the, or being in the warfare, in a position to warfare against the devil. Ephesians, the 6th chapter, the 10th and 12th verse, Paul, Paul makes this statement, Finally, I was preaching one time and I said, I'm going to close right now. And somebody said, finally. <laughs> well, we're not there yet. But, but Paul says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. And in the power of His might, and put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil... 
For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So this word finally indicates the close of this epistle, implying it also as a, as a climax to it. Paul doesn't uh, only call on fellow apostles or fellow pastors or uh, fellow evangelists to arms, but he's, he's summoning every believer. Listen, it's not the preacher's job to do all the interceding. Amen? We are to intercede. I do intercede. But it's not one person's job. It's the body of Christ, their job. And this is what Paul's saying, Finally, my brethren, he's talking to everybody, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Because we're not wrestling that you might be able to stand. Stand against the wiles of the devil. I've never seen so many exhausted Christians in, in the last few years, really, because there is, a, there is an evil force in the world. There's an evil power operating. And it's waxing worse and worse. And the Bible said it's going to wax worse and worse. I mean, we have not seen the days as it was in the days of Solomon and Gomorrah yet. But we will see that. In our generation that's coming up, that's where it's headed. We, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. And, and as it was in the days of Lot, in Sodom and Gomorrah, it's going to be the same thing in the end times. And so we, we need to prepare ourselves for the thing. We, we've got to, number one, be able to know who we are in Christ and then be able to walk as a believer and then in this final segment here, we need to finally be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Stand against the power of darkness. We've got to take a stand sometimes. The devil would love to get every loved one that you know and bring them under his control. But you know what? You've got the power to make a stand. Hallelujah. I remember... Uh, some of my blood brothers, you know, uh, my siblings, they were in bondage. They yielded to the devil, yielded to the things of the world. And due to the fact of what they yielded to, their bodies were attacked and destroyed through some of the things they got involved in. But, aren't you glad for that one conjunction, but? But God, who's merciful... <laughs> See, God whose love extends. When someone comes to the Lord and repents, guess what? God forgives them. God washes it as white as snow. He delivers them, sets them free. And my brothers, I saw the change and transformation that came in their life. And God changed them. Believe me, He changed them. And people that cut, run into them knew that God had changed them. I mean, there was a drastic change because of the power of God. But you know what it took? It took some people. It took my daddy. Number one, my daddy took a stand. I mean, everywhere he'd go preach, he'd have that whole church agree with him in prayer for his wayward children. Thank God I wasn't included in that group. But I'm sure they prayed for me. But what I'm saying is, he he had preachers, churches praying all over this nation, praying. When he went on to be with the Lord, 
those preachers came to my, di- my dad's funeral in Waco, Texas. And I mean that funeral home was so jam-packed. It was in the summertime. It was hot. People were standing against the walls and in the foyer and outside. And preachers came from North Carolina, Ohio, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, uh, Texas, Louisiana, Oklahoma. I mean, they came from all over. And my brothers were sitting back there. This is before they came to the Lord. And they were sitting back there in all. They said, they tapped on, who are all these preachers out there? I said, Dub. I said, uh, these are your, your, your dad's and my dad's spiritual sons in the Lord. I said, they have adopted him as their spiritual father. And I said, he's their spiritual daddy. And I said, they're here to show their respect and to show him honor that's due him. That I didn't say this to them, but that you hadn't done. <laughs> but you know what happened shortly after that? I'll never forget one preacher got up there and he turned around to them. He was a big burly guy and he had a deep voice and and I mean it was quiet in that funeral home, you know. And I mean all of a sudden that that guy was up speaking, all the different preachers came up and said some things and he got up and boy his voice was boisterous. He turned around and slammed his fist on that podium, turned turned over to my siblings and, and all of the family there. He said, Now hear me. Believe me, he got their attention. He said, you're coming to God because your daddy prayed for this. And you know, it wouldn't be just a few weeks later, all my sister and my two brothers came to Jesus. And my daddy didn't live to see that, but I, I believe he's probably been in heaven smiling down and saying, praise God. Hallelujah. Because God honors our faith. Amen. But we've got to take this stand for the Lord. Amen. It's a stand. It's a call to arms. And it's for every believer. No one's exempt. Nobody's exempt from conflict in this day that we're living in. You're going to run into some conflict. You're going to run into some trouble. <laughs> You're going to run into some opposition. And you might as well prepare yourself for it because we're going to have opposition to come against us, come against you personally. It could come from your own personal family members. It could come from personal friends that, that you thought loved you dearly. But opposition can be there. It can be there. But you know what we've got to do? We've got to stand up and realize, number one, it's not the individual we're fighting. We're fighting the powers of darkness that is motivating them. And we're coming against that. And so, look what the Scripture says in First Peter first 5 and 8. Peter said this, he said, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, everybody say the adversary, the devil is my adversary. It's not the person across the street. It's not the person in the next town. The devil is your adversary. Amen? God loves the human race. God loves every human being in this earth. It's God's will that all should come to repentance and not nobody perish. That's God's plan. So we need to understand that, that when we, when we, we, uh, we need to be sober, be vigilant, because our adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking those whom he may devour. Now, the, the, these are some of the names that's given to the devil in the Bible. His personality, he's a deceiver. How many, how many can agree with that? The devil's a deceiver. He's a liar. 
He's a murderer. He's an accuser. He's a tempter. He tempts. He's the prince or the Apollyon, the destroyer, the evil one. He's Beelzebub. These are just some names. And every name is repulsive and repellent and discloses the nature of the devil. The devil is evil. I've said this often. Oral Roberts had one of the most simple revelations I ever heard, and I think it's a great one. He said, God's a good God, the devil's a bad devil. <laughs> Amen. And that's the truth. We need to understand God is not doing bad things to us. The devil's doing bad things to us. And once we get it clear in our head who our adversary is, it's not God. It's the devil. He's our adversary. And God speaks to the working of Satan. He calls it the wiles of the devil in Ephesians 6.11. We'll get into that in a minute. The devices, 2 Corinthians 2 verse 11, talks about the devices of the devil. And then it talks about the snares in 2 Timothy, the snares of the devil. How people are ensnared, ensnared, entrapped, not realizing that they've gotten trapped, but they're ensnared. And he beguiles, he seduces, he opposes, he resists, talking about the devil. He, he deceives, he sows tares, he hinders, he buffets, he tempts, he persecutes, he blasphemes. All these are just personalities of the devil and what he does. And every work of the devil is diabolical and destructive. What did Jesus say? The thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I like what one translation says, that you might have life and enjoy life. Hallelujah. Listen, I've seen so many people, that they can't hardly wait till the rapture takes place. And I can't either. I believe it's going to happen real soon. But you know, the thing is, until that day, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to rejoice. And I'm going to let Jesus be Lord of my life. Amen? Now, the devil occupies a position that's twofold. It's a governmental authority. He's a prince of the air. He's the prince of the air, uh, the earth, and he rules over both evil men and evil spirits. He's rulers. If you've ever had the chance to travel, I know some of you men have been in the service and traveled over to other countries and things like this during the war that you were in and different things, but when you come into the airspace of some of these countries that are under the influence of the demonic powers. You can sense it as you come into the airspace. First time I went over to Africa, and uh, I've, I've been into four or five countries of Africa, and the first time I flew over into that airspace, into those areas, you could begin to sense the heaviness and the oppression. First time I went down to Haiti, I went down to Haiti for some crusades and meetings and had a pastor's conference down there with the pastors. And the first time we flew from Florida over to Haiti, I mean, you got into the airspace, and you, when you got there, you could sense the, the debilitating power of the devil, the destructive power, and the oppressive spirit of Satan. As we cut. And when we landed and you got off that plane, you could sense it even more. I mean, it was there. You'd drive down the roads and you could sense it. You could see the results of evil. See, the devil, the, the, the Haitian 
island was given over to the devil by the ruler, the emperor, the king at that time, many, many years ago, actually give it over and yielded it to the devil. I mean, when we were there, we were sleeping in the... Uh, uh, in the room, we was in the missionary's compound. He had a brick wall around his compound there, but we were inside. But during in the two or three in the morning, you could hear demons at, at those uh, uh, things where they were casting out devils and are not well, not devils, but devils were entering into people. Actually, is what it amounted to in the ceremonies that they were doing. But you could sense the evil and the power of evil there. But you know, we had about twenty-five pastors to come in to that conference. We had them for four days. And I'm going to tell you something. We just put the Word of God into them and who they are and what they have. They left there. The pastor, the minister that was there called me several times. He said, Brother Clarence, he said, those pastors are bringing back reports of people getting set free out of poverty. Hallelujah. Out of poverty. There was, there was one uh, church that uh, the pastor had never tithed in his life. Never tithed. The pastor had never tithed. And we ministered that day. On, that was part of it on, on, on how to get people to enter into covenant relationship with God with their giving. And listen, when you tithe, you're in covenant relationship with God is what's, what it amounts to. It, we're, it, God's not forcing anybody to do anything. It's just a means of Him saying, here's a release valve for you. Here's something you can do, and as you obey, this is what can happen. And this, this pastor, he came to me after the, on the fourth day. And he said, he said, he said, Pastor, he said, I've been, I'm an overseer. He was a spirit-filled man. He said, I'm an overseer of churches here in this area. And he said, I've been preaching for 32 years. And he said, I've never tithed in my life. My church is in poverty. Every person in my church is in poverty. And you know what he did? He, w- he went back and started tithing himself. He preached on it to his church. One of the men in his church came and gave eight cents, eight pennies to the Lord. That's all he had. Now, you know, somebody said, well, that's not very much. Well, it's a whole lot when you ain't got nothing. And he brought it to the Lord, and he went fishing the next Monday and caught fish. And sold them for $38. Hallelujah. He come to the pastor and gave some more offer and said, I'm going fishing again. Hallelujah. (laughs) Listen, God's Word works. But the devil deceives and keeps people in bondage. And the truth is what's going to make us free. And what Paul's wanting us to see here is that these ruling spirits, these demonic powers that are in the earth, they don't really have any power as far as we're concerned because we've got power over all the powers of the enemy. That's what God's given us as believers. Amen? So uh, Ephesians teaches that he's the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. I mean, you know, how many have ever seen people disobey God? Be disobedient. When you're disobedient, listen, not disobeying God is just not giving. That's, That's only a small, minute part of it. But disobedience to God is when you Hate somebody. Or, or you got ought in your heart against somebody, you know, and, and you got strife and bitterness and envy and, and all anger and all of these things built up on. Those are the things that's destroying. 
But he said it, it's uh, the ruling spirit over the children of disobedient. Now, look at what happened to Jesus. In Luke, the fourth chapter and the fifth and eighth verse, the devil. Remember when Jesus had come up out of the water and the Holy Ghost descended upon him in the form of a dove. And the voice from heaven said, Behold, my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And the Holy Spirit came in the form of a dove and lit upon him. And the Bible said the heavens were opened unto him. Now, somebody said, well, that was heaven itself opening and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit descending. Well, it said the heavens were opened. And when you begin to study the heavens and you realize there's principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places, Daniel prayed one time. Remember when Daniel prayed and he couldn't get the answer? He kept on praying. Finally, Michael the archangel came and said, Daniel, God heard you the first time you prayed, but we had a little trouble with the prince of Persia. Now, he wasn't talking about a physical human being. He was talking about the ruling prince of Persia that was in the heavenlies that was controlling that particular area. And he said, but we won. Hallelujah. And so, listen. We need to understand that there's principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness. Sometimes there could be a, a principality and power over a vicinity, uh, over an area, a region. And uh, we need to just start taking authority. Listen, we're here. We're in Aubrey, Texas. We're in Denton County. So what we've got to do is focus right now on the heavens above us. And let's rise to the occasion and recognize that there's demonic powers that's trying to control and rule and take our authority in the name of Jesus. Listen, we've got the same Holy Ghost Peter, James, and John had. We've got the same Holy Ghost that Paul had. And that's why he teaches this to all the churches that he went to. He taught and ministered on what Jesus did, the redemptive power, the power of the whole, the power of God, and and the and the uh, the defeating power over the devil, how he was defeated, the devil was through Jesus Christ. Now, but when Jesus come out and he was baptized, the Holy Spirit lended upon him. He went up into out into the wilderness, fasted. He was he was in a fast with the Lord, the Father. He went up on top of a high mountain. This was just towards the end of it here. And the devil came to him in Luke 4, verses 5 and 8. The devil taking him up on a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Just like that. They all flashed before him just like that. And he said, All this authority I will give you and their glory. For this has been delivered to me. And I'll give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will just worship me before, before me, all will be yours. That's all you got to do, Jesus. Just bow down and worship me. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. In other words, the devil couldn't entice him. See, Jesus was 100% human while he was on this earth. He didn't get glorified until he went to heaven. But he was 100% human. He faced the same powers that you and I are facing today. 
And he said, it's written, you shall worship the Lord your God. And you know what we've got the same power to do today? When the devil comes against us, we say, devil, it is written. You were defeated 2,000 years ago. It is written, Jesus is Lord. It is written, God promised me my household. Hallelujah. And my whole household shall be saved. It's written. You know, we just need to start taking the Word of God and throwing it in the devil's face. That's the only thing the devil's going to really understand. And listen, I'm a firm believer in the joy of the Lord. I'm a firm believer in getting happy in the Lord. I'm a firm believer in showing my expressions of joy. How many believe that we should do that every once in a while? I think we, if we're Pentecostal church, I think we ought to express it sometimes. Hallelujah. But you know what? The expression alone will not do it. It's when you come against the powers of darkness and say, Devil, it is written. I'm delivered from the power of darkness. I've been transferred into the kingdom of His dear Son. It's written. Devil, it's written. My children are going to be saved. It's written. See, we, we got something to combat Him with. And this is what Jesus was showing here. So we as believers, we wrestle against the rulers of this darkness. Look at Ephesians 6.12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. You're not wrestling individuals. I want to tell you something. And I want to say this right because I don't want to. People can be influenced by the devil. They can yield to the influence of the devil. And when they yield to the influence of the devil, the influence of the devil is in their life that can cause havoc and confusion. But this is where we as believers, we're going to begin to see beyond flesh and blood, and we'll begin to see what is really behind the situation. Have you ever went into a place and it's just oppressive? You just feel a heaviness? I was in a, the first church I ever pastored. It was a church that had already been established and going, and it was the first church I'd, I'd pastored. And uh, I, we were not getting a breakthrough. <laughs> I don't know if you understand what I'm saying, but there, there was no spiritual breakthrough that we needed. And I was down at the church one day praying, and I, I got up around the altar, and I, I was they had a podium like this and a platform, and and, and I, I was I was just kneeling there, and then I stood up, and as I knelt there, I could feel the oppressive power of Satan. And that church, what 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 had happened? There was a deadness. Now the people weren't dead; they were very much alive. When they walked out those doors, my goodness, they were laughing and just having a good time and worship. You know, they were good people. They loved the Lord. But I, I said, Lord, what is this? This heavy oppression hit me. And the Lord said, there was a funeral here. Now, I, listen, funerals are graduation parties for people that, are know, that know the Lord. Amen? And there's nothing wrong with having a graduation party in a church. That <laughs> man says what I'm saying. 
But sometimes, if we're not careful, see, what happened is there was an oppressive spirit because of the situation that was here, and a sorrow, a sorrowful spirit drooped and dropped over that congregation to where it kept them in a state, when they come through the doors, it was just like they were entering a funeral. Now, what did Psalmist David say? Enter into his courts with what? Praise and thanksgiving. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. But it wasn't happening. And the Lord showed me what happened. It, it wasn't, they had many funerals there. We had many after that, but it didn't have this effect on people. But at this particular time, it was just something there that caused this effect. And the Lord said, you're going to have to take authority over it. And I looked back at the back of the church. And in the spirit realm, I could see demonic powers just hovering above the door. And when people come in, they just got a holy hush come on them. And we took authority over that. I got my elders. We, we took authority. I explained to them what God had showed me. And we took authority over it. And you know what happened? We didn't tell the people everything that was going on in that sense. Because they were unaware. They were unaware of what was happening in their hearts and life as they entered into those doors. But as we took authority over that, they started coming in those doors and I begin to just take note, you know. <laughs> Those that come in, they was out there laughing, and then they would come in and just, you know, couldn't couldn't lift their hands, couldn't praise God, and all of a sudden. We saw those people coming in, and they were just praising the Lord, glorifying God. The service got lively and vibrant with praise and thanksgiving. Things begin to take place. People begin to get saved. Healings begin to take place. Miracles took place because we, we realize we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in our places. Now, it didn't mean that everybody that came in that door was possessed of a devil. We're not saying that. How many understand what I'm saying? That wasn't it at all. It was just an oppressive thing that was attacking as they come in. But we took authority over it and said, you ain't got no home here no more. Hallelujah. Amen. We, and that's what we have to do. Take authority over the spirits in the region and say, you haven't got no authority here no more. You're not going to be at home here anymore. We're going to see revival. We're going to see the power of God move. We're going to see the Holy Ghost move. We're going to see God's Word prevail. This is what God's wanting us to see. Now, look at Ephesians 6.12. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. So our wrestling is against principalities, it's against powers, it's against world rulers of darkness, it's against spiritual hosts and wickedness. But now look, this is here, look at the approach Jesus had to the devil. See, Jesus Christ in Ephesians 1 verse 21 verse 23 says he's far above all principality and power and might and dominion. Jesus is above all that. We got to, we got to really believe Jesus is Lord. Amen? And he's far above all principality, power, and might, dominion, and every, every name that's named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. So when Jesus came out of the water and the Holy Ghost descended upon him, guess what? Miracles started taking place. God began to do some supernatural things. Now, let's take a look at our position real quickly as believers. 
Well, I believe every one of us here are believers tonight. Those that's watching by Facebook, I know that many of you are believers. But Ephesians 6 is plainly instructions for the church to aggressively attack the enemy. We've got to get aggressive. Hallelujah. How many ever got aggressive with something? You wanted something, you got aggressive about it. Till you got it. Amen? Till you received it. Till you did what, till you had it. But now, the armor of God, remember, look what it says here in Ephesians 6, chapter. Turn over there real quick with me. If you're, if you're got your Bible open. Ephesians, the 6th chapter. Paul's writing, instructing the church here. Look at verse 10. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Verse 10. Verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The whole armor of God. Now, listen. We're in a warfare. And we can't go in warfare without the armor. We need to get up every morning. I don't know if you remember the story of uh, Lakewood Church. Lisa Osteen, Brother Osteen's daughter. This was several years ago back in the... uh, either the early 80s or late 70s, early 80s. Um, but she worked in the office for him. She, she was kind of like his executive uh, secretary for him to get all of his mail and open his mail for him. And she went in that day to the office, and there was a package in a big envelope, thick package. And she kept pushing it aside, pushing it aside, pushing it aside, and just opening the other mail, and then finally that one package was left, and she had this funny feeling, had this funny feeling on the inside. And she said, well, it's the last package. It's my dad's. I've got to see what it is for him. And when she opened it up, there was a bomb in it, and it exploded. Now, that office, there's pictures of it. I saw it personally. That office was totally demolished. The chair she was sitting in wasn't touched. She got a burn on her leg and had to have a skin graft on the thigh of her leg. But that's the only harm that was done. Nails went through her hair. But the other portion of the office was totally, totally demolished. When the paramedics got there, They looked at the chair, looked at the office, and this is what they said. These are the exact words. They said, it's like there was a shield in front of your daughter, Reverend Osteen. A shield. And Lisa gave the testimony later. They had a preacher come through, and he said, every morning I put on the armor of God. I just go go through the motions, putting on the helmet, putting on the breastplate, and, you know, all, all the armor of God. And she did that every morning, generally. She did it that morning. She didn't do it totally, you know. And, but she had done it enough to where she had faith. But what is that saying? That's saying that God can protect us in the middle of a crisis like that. She was preserved. The devil meant to destroy her. I don't even know whether they ever found the guy that sent it. You know, it was from North Carolina somewhere, and 
but uh, don't even know whether they ever found him or not. They may have, but uh, with all the technology they got today, I'm sure they've found something or somebody. But but the thing, the main thing is, she's free. She's well. She's healthy. She could have been killed. But see, when we have the armor of God, we are not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're not wrestling against men or women. (laughs) But put on the whole armor that you may be able to stand, for we do not wrestle against these things. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand. and, And the armor, have you noticed that the armor is all for the front part of the believer? It's not for the back part. Because we're not supposed to be running from the devil. We're supposed to be marching forward towards the devil. Hallelujah. We march forward to the devil. And so the armor of God is only for the front. And there's six pieces of armor. And look what the Scripture says. Put on. Now what, what does that imply? You put on. You put on the whole armor of God. I wish I could dress everybody before they come to church. You know, we used to dress our kids before they went to church. <laughs> and then we started letting them dress themselves, and then we wish we could dress them again, you know. <laughs> but listen, he said, you put on the armor of God. See, we're, we're to minister the Word of God, but I can't come out there and personally put it on you. You have to make up your mind to believe God's Word and put on the whole armor of God. Clothe yourself in it. And he's only got it for the front part because God doesn't expect no deserters in his army. Hallelujah. <laughs> He doesn't protect our backside as we're running. We're not cowards. Amen? And he said, take the whole armor of God and uh, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take in the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is uh, uh, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Now, I want to emphasize that, supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains, that in it I may boldly speak as I ought to speak. Have your loins girt about with truth. Have the breastplate of righteousness on. Uh, have your feet shod with the preparation of, of the gospel of peace. Amen? Stand, and above all, take in the shield of faith. The shield of faith. Now, you know what's, what's amazing about the shield of faith? We, we think of it as a little shield, you know, that we, you know, y'all, you know we've, we've played Army before with a little cardboard shield, you know, and you move it around like that to keep everything from hitting you. But the shield that Paul's in reference to here is a big shield. It was a huge shield. You could, they, they would actually stick with the pointed end, they'd stick that shield in the ground and get behind that shield in time of battle. And that shield would be in that ground. And if you had an army of believers, an army there together, they would hook those shields together and make a wall that the enemy couldn't penetrate. See, we, we've got some, we've got some goods on our side tonight, amen? If we as the church of the living God could ever get a hold of what God's really given us, we could unite our faith together and there's no devil that can penetrate that shield of faith. Hallelujah! Because we've got more power than the devil's got. There's power in the name of Jesus. And we, we just need to start getting a hold of this and believe it. And, and uh, 
What did he tell Peter? I said to you, Peter, you're up on this rock. I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Now, the original translation says whatever you permit is permitted. Whatever you don't permit is not permitted. See, we we got to set our foot down to the devil. Y'all still with me today? we we got to set our foot down. And don't give the devil permission to operate. Don't give the devil permission to penetrate. And if we as believers could get our shields hooked together, guess what? we got a barricade of faith against the devil. And the devil can't win because he's a loser. Hallelujah. So victory's ours. And so what... When you look at this sixth chapter, remember, we learn to sit, we learn to walk. Now we're learning to do warfare. Most of our warfare is spent on our personal stuff. Hallelujah. How many knows what I'm talking about? Most of our warfare is done praying against the devil what he's doing to us. And listen, yes, we need to do that. We definitely need to do that. Your, your, your home is a miniature church, by the way. And you, you need to get together and let the faith of God unite everybody together on that situation and get our shield of faith up and get that armor of God on and put the devil on the run. But we as a whole being and a whole believing power here as a church, as the believers of this church, we can unite our faith together. And we can see God's power Move on our behalf. And the devil has to shrink back in shame because he is defeated. Hallelujah. He is defeated. And we just need to do it. Now, and what Paul is saying here, see, Ephesians 6.10, having done all to stand. You know, that's what we, most of us, that's what we've all, pre- well, you know, I've done all I know to do, so I'm just standing, Brother Clarence. I'm just standing. I'm just standing. I'm just standing. But you know what? We've got to get out of that stage. We're in a warfare stage now. And what we've got to do is start warring against the devil for other saints, for other people. If we're always in need of <laughs> y'all still with me? I said, if we're always in need of that supernatural miracle. And there's nothing wrong with that because many times we've needed a supernatural miracle ourselves personally and collectively, my wife and I. And But, but you know, what, what we got to do is get past that stage of where we're a collective body now. When I hurt, you hurt. When you hurt, we all hurt. When you feel the pain, we all feel the pain. And if we'll unite our faith together, we can put the devil on the, on the, on the path out of here. Amen? Because we have, we have warring power, faith in God, and we've got the armor of God. And when you look at chapter 6, it's talking about, actually, uh, well, let's read what he says in verse 18 through 20, and I'm almost done here. He said, praying always, praying always, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. In the Spirit. We need to pray in the Holy Ghost. You need to get in that prayer closet at home and pray in the Holy Ghost. 
Pray in the Spirit. There's power in that. What did Paul say? In, he said, when I don't know how to pray or what to pray for, the Spirit Himself helps my infirmities. Now that word infirmities there doesn't necessarily mean sickness, but infirmities means weaknesses. See, we're weak sometimes in our faith. We're weak sometimes in that revelation knowledge. We're weak sometimes in that area of standing. And Paul said, when, when, that, that, that when, that when I don't know how to pray or what kind of prayer to offer. How many ever didn't know how to pray? I mean, you know how to pray, but you know what I'm saying. You don't, you don't know specifically what to pray for. We, we got to get down to some specifics tonight. And learn what those specifics are. And when we don't know how to pray and what we ought to pray for, what did he say? The Spirit Himself helpeth my infirmities or my weaknesses or my inabilities. And He prays through me and for me and prays according to the will of God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'll tell you what. If we just get in that prayer closet and pray in the Holy Ghost till you pray. Listen, you've heard those saying, I prayed through last night. <laughs> well, most people pray till they get through. I mean, they just pray till they're through praying. <laughs> I'm talking about praying through. I'm talking about penetrating the devil's camp. Penetrating the devil's territory. Penetrating the area that he has dominated in our lives. And pray in faith. And we don't know, sometimes we don't know how to pray. But God, we're going to pray in the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost prays the will of God. I had a young man that was caught red-handed in Conroe, Texas. Third armed robbery caught red-handed. His father came to church on a, on a Sunday night. Well, Wednesday night actually because he had been to the court that first of the week. And he said, oh, we got to pray. They're going to sentence him. And we got to pray. I said, well, I mean, you know, I'm this way. If you're guilty, you're guilty. Amen? I think sometimes we can get people out of trouble and they haven't learned their lesson yet. But I wasn't rude to him. I said, look, we're going to pray. And I told him up front. I said, I don't know how to pray because they're, they're going to sentence him. And I said, Okay. So it's on a Wednesday night, and we prayed. I said, look, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what kind of prayer to offer. He's caught red-handed. I mean, it's all over the news. You know, Conroe wasn't that big back then, you know. And uh, it's all over the news. I said, he's caught red-handed. I said, so we're going to pray in the Holy Ghost. Will you pray in the Holy Ghost with me? He said, yes, sir. So we just prayed in tongues. (laughs) And we prayed till we felt like we penetrated something. He came back on a Friday to the office, and he was so downtrodden. He said, Preacher, they sentenced my son to 15 years. 15 years, he's no, there's, no, there's no hope of parole for those 15 years because this is his third offense. I said, Well, did we pray? Yes. Did we pray in the Holy Ghost? Yes. Did we, when we pray in the Holy Ghost, are we praying the will of God? He said, Yes. I said, Well, you know what? we got to believe he's in the will of God. In prison, he said. I said he's in the will of God. 
Little did we realize at that time that the Full Gospel Businessmen Fellowship that had really been going strong and doing things for God, they had a prayer. Uh, they had uh, people going to the prison there, ministering on a regular basis every week, sometimes two or three times a week, ministering to those prisoners. And guess what? This young man got put next door in the cell, next door to another young man that had been arrested and almost the same thing, and, and he was arrested there. But you know what the difference was? This young man had been going to these prayer meetings, and he got saved and born again and set free and delivered, and he was just accepting what was happening. That Lord, I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost, the will of God be done, and you know, that's what we got to do, just start praying in the Holy Ghost. And this young man, little did we realize that's what was happening, and this other man influenced him. Got him to go to the prayer meeting, and guess what? This man's son got in the prayer meeting and the Bible study, and he got saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, and he had to serve his time. But you know what? He got out early because God even intervened on that. Praise the Lord. Isn't God good? But little did we realize. See, what is the will of God? What is the will of God? Sometimes, listen, when God's working on somebody, just let them go. You're praying in the Holy Ghost, you let them go. God's working and God's moving. Because, we see, we're interceding. And this is what the sixth chapter of Ephesians is about, is intercession. Interceding for our loved ones. Interceding for the body of Christ. Interceding for the believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And when we do that, the devil is defeated. Amen. Praise God. Our wrestling's not against flesh and blood. It's not an ordinary combat. <laughs> we don't use ordinary weapons. Our weapon is more powerful than anything the devil's got, and that's the Holy Ghost. And that's praying in the Holy Ghost. And that's our weapon of faith, our shield of faith, and, and the anointing of God that destroys the yoke of bondage. Listen, you've got power tonight. You've got power. You've got power to minister to those people that are in trouble, and you've got power to say, Lord, I want to see them help. You know what we need? Maybe old hymn. How do you remember that old hymn? Onward, Christian soldiers, <laughs> marching as to war. Amen? we got to realize we're in an army of God tonight. And what the Lord is doing, He's using these gifts, these things God's placed in our lives to do combat against the devil. The devil's a liar. Praise God. Brother Kruger was in the war. Brother Chalk, you was over, you were using the war too. Was you in the service? And... Uh, uh, Brother Cliff, were you in the service? Yeah. All these guys. Brother Pete, were you in the service? No, you didn't get to go. But you was in service over here praying for people. <laughs> but, you know, the thing is, these men, they were there. But, you know, if it, it had been for those people in over the combat troops and things and the things that they had to do, listen, they had to use some strategy. They had to use some strategy against the enemy. And thank God for the wisdom that God put in our generals and those people that did all of these things. And uh, we saw victory come for our nation, not only once, but twice. Not, well, even in the Korean War, we saw a little help done there, you know, but it didn't get not total victory, but we saw victory anyway. And uh, so, you, you know what? God still, He's still God of America. He's still Lord. Amen. But we're in the body of Christ tonight. And God has one thing for us, and that's praying always in the Spirit. We have warfare, but God's give you things that you can combat against the devil. 
victory's ours. We don't have to live the same old way we lived last week. Hallelujah. You don't have to let the devil keep putting you down every day. Don't let him lie to you. I mean, let's put the truth of God on him and say, this is what the Word says, devil. I'm going to take what God's Word declares, and we can have it in Jesus' name. Amen? Well, I hope you got something out of that teaching on Ephesians. Because I tell you what, once we get it down in our spirit, we're going to be what God's called us to be. That's victorious. Praise the Lord. Let's bow our heads before the Lord tonight. Father, we thank you. We just praise you because your word's truth. Lord, your truth prevails. Father, we thank you for the body of Christ. We thank you for the soldiers that's in the body of Christ. We thank you for believers that are linked up together tonight worldwide. And the believers here locally and the believers here statewide and in the region, Lord. We, th- we thank you that we're linked up together to see the powers of darkness toppled. Father, victory's ours. Victory's ours. We know the trump of God's going to sound one day. And we know the dead in Christ are going to rise first. And we which are alive and remain are going to be called up to meet the Lord in the air. Lord, we thank you for that hope and that promise. But we thank you also, Lord, for the anointing that's in every one of our lives. In the name of Jesus, we just give you praise for it. Amen.